You are listening to John D. Yard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news in Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. In this episode, Dr. John talks sleep health. Hi, I'm Dr. John Duyard, and I'd like to talk to you today about insomnia. You know, most of us think insomnia is caused by having too much energy. We have so much energy, we can't settle down. The reality is that most of us who can't sleep at night actually have too little energy. We're exhausted. And, we, and to treat insomnia effectively, we need to rejuvenate and rebuild the body so we have the energy to go to sleep and stay asleep. It's an odd thought that we actually need energy to go to sleep, but we do. We need energy to stabilize our mood. We need energy to handle anxiety and depression. We need energy to focus. We need energy for good memory. And we definitely need good amount of energy to sleep at night and stay asleep throughout the night. So herbs that sedate the body are really, and drugs that sedate the body, are really, really sedating an already sedated or an exhausted system. The body really gets symptomatic relief at best, and these herbs and drugs and medications really don't work that well. Until we really understand the cause of the insomnia, the deep lack of energy, the deep exhaustion, we never really get to address the underlying factor. And that's what I want to do in this video, is teach you how to do that. Now in Ayurvedic medicine, we look at cycles in nature. Between 6 o'clock and 10 o'clock, there's a cycle in nature that actually lowers and reduces the cortisol. It sedates the body naturally so the body can naturally settle down and go to sleep. So between 7, 8, and 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock would be a great time for us to, if we have insomnia, to think about going to bed early, before 10 o'clock. Take out a boring book, not my book, but some boring book, and and read it between 9 and 10 o'clock and turn the light out at 9.45 and see if that will settle you down and get you off to sleep. Because at 10 o'clock at night, between 10 o'clock and 2, the liver becomes active. It's like the janitor comes in and wants to wash the floors and do the windows. It's a detoxifying time of night. The liver produces enzymes like glutathione peroxidase to detoxify the body at that time. And if you have no energy to give the body the energy it needs to sedate itself while the body's cleaning itself out and preparing it for the next day, we stay stimulated and wired and tired and can't settle down. So between 10 o'clock and 2, we call this the fire or the pitta kind of insomnia where you can't get to sleep. And we need to give the body the energy it needs to go to sleep at that time, but we also need to cool the body down. And there's an herb that's phenomenal for that. It's called Brahmi. We have an herb called Brahmi Brain. And the herb is called Centella Asiatica, and it's commonly called Brahmi. And this herb is cooling and rejuvenating. It's been, it's been known to support memory and cognitive function and better sleep, handling stress. It's a phenomenal herb that is a deep, deep rejuvenative for the nervous system. So I encourage you, you know, there's an article associated with this, with this video with references about these herbs to give you more information about how these herbs actually work. But for the pitta-based, can't go to bed, can't go to sleep, can't settle down kind of insomnia, think about an herb called Brahmi Brain. Now, between 2 o'clock 
and 6 o'clock is a different time of night. This is what we call the nervous system time of night. It's the deep, deep sleep. It's where your nervous system really has to have a deep level of rejuvenation to give you the energy so you can settle down in the nighttime. If you have this kind of deep exhaustion, you wake up at 3 or 4 or 5 in the morning and can't settle down, you are in fact not only not only exhausted, but deeply exhausted. And there are herbs that deeply rejuvenate this system. One of those is called ashwagandha. Ashwagandha, probably the most powerful adaptogenic herb on the planet, is an herb that actually gives us the energy so we can go to sleep and stay asleep throughout the night. But also, it gives us the energy in the morning to run a marathon, take tests, and the Brahmi brain will do the same way. It'll give us the ability to have energy to go to sleep, but also the ability to focus during the day. And that's what makes these herbs so special. They're not stimulating you, nor are they sedating you. They're deeply rejuvenating us, so we have the energy to go to sleep and the energy to handle the day's stress, take SATs, run a marathon, and take handle the stress of our day. That's the magic of these Ayurvedic herbs, is they're not just eradicating your symptoms, they're deeply rejuvenating you, addressing the cause of your insomnia. Sometimes between 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock, many of us get a second wind and get wired for sound. We have to realize that between 10 o'clock and 2 is the body is preparing itself for the next day so we can detoxify and be prepared to handle the stress the next day. So regularly staying up between 10 o'clock and 2 can actually create more toxicity and more exhaustion. So think about going to bed earlier between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock and get to bed before 10. If you have trouble getting to bed before 10, think about before, in the early part of the night, then think about the Brahmi brain. If you have trouble getting to bed in the early wee hours of the morning, think about an herb called ashwagandha. We actually have a formula called Sleep Easy, which is a wonderful formula for both of these conditions that you also can consider. Please read the article associated with this video It'll take you into more, inf more depth of information about how you can treat and address your under the underlying cause of your insomnia. Thank you. I'm Dr. John Duyart. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard, and I want to talk to you about insomnia. In part one on this series of insomnia, I talked about how many of us think that we don't sleep because we have too much energy. And the reality is, is that many of us don't sleep because we're exhausted. We don't have the energy we need to sedate ourselves so we can go to sleep and stay asleep through the night. So in part one, we discussed about how to rebuild the nervous system and pay back some of the exhausted debt so you can sleep through the night. In part two, I want to talk about the second most common cause of insomnia, and it has to do with the inability to burn fat the inability to burn fat through the night and stay asleep through the night. It's a blood sugar issue. Many of us, because we eat little meals all day long, the body's been told that it's going to get fed every two to three hours. Then we go to bed at 10 o'clock and say, okay, now we're going to sleep for nine hours. And the body goes, what? I've been fed for months now, every two to three hours, and now I'm supposed to sleep for nine hours and not get fed? The body's been conditioned to get fed every two to three hours. I need my fuel, and I wake up hungry. And that's what happens. People wake up hungry. They don't realize they're hungry all the time, but that's the number one cause when the blood sugar starts to dip. Boom, the, we start to wake up. And we wake up because of unstable blood sugar. 
Now, less sleep actually has been shown in studies to actually affect your blood sugar and create blood sugar instability. And the less that you sleep, the more cortisol or stress-fighting hormones are produced, and that tells your body to store fat. Then you wake up hungry and tired and exhausted, so then you crave more of the kind of foods that are stimulants and sugars and candies and sweets and coffee, and that injects you up, and what goes up must come crashing down, and we stay on this blood sugar unstable road. So if you want to help your body be a better sleeper, then make your body a better fat burner. And to do that, we have to do step one, and I write about this in detail in the article associated with this video. Step one, three good meals per day. The other piece of the puzzle is get off the, the fast, quick-acting sugars and carbohydrates, the breads, unless they're really good breads. And even then, one slice a day of like an Ezekiel bread, a sprouted bread would be ideal, um, or an, a non-gluten bread if needed, but very, very small amount of bread. Uh, whole foods, fruits, uh, vegetables, lots of green vegetables, lean proteins, nuts and seeds. You know, one rule of thumb is to say, if I'm eating this meal, ask yourself, could I have eaten this meal 100 years ago? And if you look at that and go, boy, it's, this is processed, this has chemicals, these, half the stuff that we eat has been processed so much that it creates a major surge in the blood sugar. And then we have to have our little meals where we tend to crave or nibble and snack all day long, and we don't realize that we have a blood sugar issue. In fact, 30% of the population, a third of the people in America are pre-diabetic. And of, the, of those pre-diabetic people, 90% of them don't even realize that they have it. And that is from the CDC. It's a big deal. And this affects how you sleep. So again, three good meals a day. Make energy last in between the meals. I did a video in a newsletter on the difference between three and six meals a day. Please watch that. Um, make sure you're getting plenty of protein. One gram of protein for every pound of body weight is a good idea. And have that three times a day with each meal. No starchy vegetables. Do the green stuff, not potatoes. Uh, look at the greens, and your plate should be very, very green when you look at your plate. A plate of spinach and vegetables and broccoli and, and, and string beans, and, and steam them for a couple of minutes, and, and make sure you're getting way more vegetables than you ever thought you need, and this will, in fact, help your sleep at night. Very important, drink lots of water throughout the day because dehydration is another factor that can wake us up at night. So make sure you're getting about half your ideal body weight in ounces of water per day. In the article associated with this video, I talk about some Ayurvedic herbs that are great for supporting blood sugar as well as giving your, yourself the nervous system energy to give you the energy so you can, in fact, be calm. But remember, two reasons. One, exhaustion, and number two, blood sugar instability. So make sure you're not waking up hungry. When we were kids, we used to go to bed, at, we used to have supper at six o'clock. And from six all the way till seven o'clock in the morning, we had no food. We were starving, actually. We fasted all night long. We woke up with breakfast, everything was fine. We fasted for 13 hours of our day. And it was normal back then to do that. But nowadays, my God, we gotta eat all day long. We snack our kids all day long. It's created a blood sugar instability and it affects your sleep at night. So please, check out the article associated with this video. And thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Diard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Diard. And I wanna to talk to you today about fatigue. You know, millions of Americans suffer from fatigue, exhaustion, and tiredness. How many of you feel exhausted at the end of your day? 
How many of you can't make it through the day unless you're craving or eating dark chocolate, coffee, Starbucks, some type of stimulant to give you the energy that we desperately need to get through the day? Now, we all know that a stimulant is going to give you some energy, but we also, also know that what goes up comes crashing down. And when it crashes down, you feel tired again. And of course, we just look for another stimulant to get ourselves back up to start feeling good again. And here's the problem. Every time we stimulate ourselves to get higher, we need a bigger, stronger stimulant to get up there to feel good. And when we crash, we crash even further. And as we go up and down, up and down, stimulate ourselves to get through the day, we deplete, exhaust ourselves, and we end up with no energy. And then the stimulants stop working, and then we're sort of in big trouble. That can affect how you sleep at night. It can affect your mood. It can affect many, many different aspects of our health. Now, here's what we need to do. First of all, when you have the stimulation of high and low and high and low, we need to pay back that exhaustive debt. Many of us have gotten so in debt energetically that we have to pay it back. Now, one of the ways that we want to do that is to make sure that your energy drink or your energy aid is not a stimulant in disguise. And here's how you find that out. If you take an energy drink in the morning, it gives you energy or a supplement or a pill or a food, and it gives you energy, great, it gives you energy. But can you take that exact same supplement before you go to bed and sleep? If that supplement you take before you go to bed or that energy aid or drink before you go to bed keeps you up, wires you for sound, stimulates you, and now you can't sleep, it was a stimulant in disguise. And that's really important because if you're stimulating yourself to make energy that you don't actually have, you're going to go further into debt. And that's what we don't want to do is go further into debt and then you have to pay off even more debt. We want to find something that can give you energy in the morning and put you to sleep at night. Those are called true adaptogens. There's a lot of adaptogens which help you adapt to stress out there, but not all of them will give you energy in the morning and allow you to sleep at night. Now, my two favorite herbal adaptogens are uh, ashwagandha, means the strength of 10 horses. You take it in the morning, run a marathon, take it before you go to bed, sleep like a baby. In fact, it's named after its ability to put people to sleep. Another herb is called Brahmi or Centella Asiatica, which is another herb that you can take in the morning and take your SATs and have better cognitive function. And you can take it before you go to bed and sleep like a baby. Two of my absolute favorite herbs that can deeply regenerate, rejuvenate, and put the, you know, pay off some of this exhaustive debt, which is really important. The second thing are a group of foods that we call OGES building foods. OGES in Ayurveda is this uh, very subtle aspect of digestion. The Ayurveda, the digestive process takes about 30 days to complete. It's not like you eat food and then a couple of days later it's out of you. In Ayurveda, it takes 30 days to complete this process. It makes this substance called ojas, which means vitality, immunity, virility, radiance, skin. It gives you all this radiance factors that are phenomenal. We really want them. They're great. And they give us deep, deep energy. So there are certain activities and certain foods that build ojas. And the activities are the same ones that actually create a hormone in your body called oxytocin, which is uh, the loving, giving, bonding, caring hormone. So when you give to others, care for others, nurture others, touch others, you actually build this ojas up. You build this hormone called oxytocin, but there is a catch. And the catch is that if you give love, care, bond for someone and love someone with an expectation to get something back, you don't produce any oxytocin. You don't produce any of this ojas substance. You don't get the radiance. You don't get the immunity. You don't get the vitality. You don't get any of that. So if you want to you know, go into activities, that are going to support your ojas, you want to make sure you're giving, loving, bonding, because it's your nature to give love and bond. 
and care and take care of others, not because you're going to get something in return. Very important. Unconditional love is what that's about. The foods that are ojas builders, well, there's two herbs. One is called ashwagandha, and the other one, which we talked about already, uh, as an adaptogen. The other one is called shatavari, means a woman with a hundred husbands. That's, that's a lot of husbands, but it's, again, a real deep rejuvenative and a real deep tonic. The foods that we actually uh, can mix into kind of really good quality milk uh, would be like raw or vat pasteurized, non-homogenized milk. It can be goat's milk, almond milk, uh, coconut milk as well. And you put in uh, a little bit of ghee, coconut, dates, almonds. Um, you can put a, a little bit of saffron in there. Saffron has been studied to block cravings by 55%. It supports mood stability even better than some of the uh, antidepressants in some studies. It's a powerful, powerful agent. And a little bit of saffron in there, and you cook all that in some warm milk um, and bring it to a boil. Add a little bit of raw honey and have that in the morning and before you go to bed, just a little bit. It's a powerful Ojas builder. We have a product called the Ojas Nightly Tonic, which has the ashwagandha and the, and the shatavari and the, all these Ojas builders, coconut, dates, saffron, ghee, honey, uh, almonds, coconut, all mixed in, and you stir that in. And it's just a phenomenal agent to give you the energy to become, you the energy to have energy, mental clarity, and focus, and you the energy to actually go to sleep and stay asleep throughout the night. Very, very important. We don't realize that our fatigue levels don't actually make us sleep more. Often, oftentimes, it makes us sleep less. So deep, deep rejuvenation, pay off some of that old exhaustive debt is a critical piece of the puzzle to really take care of fatigue at its, level, at its final level. I also talk about, in the article associated with this video, other aspects of helping you be, beat fatigue, and that is to be a better fat burner. When the sugar levels are going up and down and up and down and up and down, our energy is going up and down, up and down, we exhaust and we become depleted and we have no energy left. So, and as a result, we just keep looking for the next sugar sort of stimulant to give us that energy and it depletes us. And we've lost the ability, even as a culture, to be good fat burners. And I give you a whole list of ways to reset fat burning in the article. So please go to that for more information. But one of the most important tips is to make sure you're eating three meals per day, not six meals a day. Six meals a day, you eat meal, snack, meal, snack, meal, snack. The body will burn, therefore, the meal and the snack, the meal and the snack, and the meal and the snack. And therefore, why in the world would it ever burn its own fat as a source of fuel when you're eating a meal and a snack and a meal and a snack? If you want the body to burn your fat as a source of fuel, and you do, you want to have a meal and nothing, another meal and nothing, and another meal and nothing. So you burn fat in between the meals. And recondition your body to make energy last for a long period of time. We are, as ancient humans, we have the genetic ability to make energy last. Our cells thrive. They live longer. They make more energy when we don't eat so much food. And when you eat six meals a day, even though they say eat small meals, those are six more chances, according to some studies, to overeat and end up eating way more food than we do. We already eat 100% more food than we need as Americans right? So we eat 100% of the food we actually need, then the average American eats 100% more than we need. That's the, where all the problems lie, is that we can just get rid of that extra 100%. And that's a powerful place to start by getting you to be a better fat burner. So energy lasts, therefore you don't need, crave, desire as much food. Thanks for listening. Read the article. It's very important to get the full picture of how to beat fatigue. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Villard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Diard, and I want to talk to you today about the benefits of lying and sleeping 
on your left side. Probably you never thought about how you sleep or the benefits of sleeping on one side or the other. Maybe you already know that lying on your left side has great benefits for digestion. After you eat the food, the food goes into your stomach. Your stomach sort of cradles like that. If you lie on your left side, the food just sits there and the muscular contractions of your stomach can sort of contract the food out and digest it in a very gradual, kind of organized fashion. If you lied on your right side, it would push all the food out and gravity would empty it in a kind of maybe an overzealous manner and disturb the digestive pathway or process. Your pancreas is also allowing, you know, on the left side, so it allows it to empty um, uh, without being overly zealous in the emptying process. But most importantly, lying on your left side lets your stomach do the churning that it needs to do to digest properly. Very, very important. But from sleeping at night, why would you want to sleep on your left side? Well, one reason that you want to sleep on your left side is because your lymphatic system primarily dumps into the left side above your heart. So while lying on your left side allows this natural draining to take place in your lymphatic system, and there is no heart pump connected to your lymph. The lymph drains by muscular contractions, which isn't happening when you sleep. So therefore, it's just kind of a gravity-fed kind of oozing, and the lymph is supported by gravity when you sleep on your left side. One of the major organs of the lymphatic system is your spleen. The spleen is one of the central organs of your lymphatic system. It's like a big, huge lymph node. And when that's on your left side too, so when you sleep on your left, the whole lower extremity in the body drains into that spleen, helping the drain support be, be supported and function way better. You know, I always say that in our body, it's always how well we move waste out that makes or breaks us. If the lymph system is congested, the biggest circulatory detox system that we have, if that's gone south, we can be in trouble. Ayurvedically, we always evaluate the lymphatic system first. And this is a great way to do a little lymph support uh, every single night while you sleep for eight hours, which is a pretty cool thing. In addition, the, the, your intestinal tract, your large intestine, actually is connected to your small intestine. And your small intestine kind of ends on the right side, called the ileocecal valve, and that dumps into the large intestine. And that's on the right. So when you lie on your left side, the, when you lie on your left side, what happens is the, the, all the food can actually be dumped into the small intestine in a very effortless manner, into the large intestine, and actually begin to help get ready for a big elimination or evacuation first thing in the morning. Then the food works its way all night long into what's called the descending colon. And the descending colon, uh, the descending colon is on the left side, so it supports the, the dumping of all the waste into the descending colon. When you stand up first thing in the morning, drink a big glass of water, that triggers a peristaltic response and that whole descending colon is ready for a big, large elimination. So it sets you up for that first morning bowel movement we always talk about, which is a very cool thing. And maybe the most important one of all is that your heart actually has a big artery coming out of it called the aorta. And when it comes up and you lie on your left side, that aorta curves to the left and then goes down into your abdomen. So when you lie on your left side and your heart is pumping, it's literally pumping downhill. Now, if you have ever worked with pumps in your yard, pumping water, irrigation, you know that pumping uphill is extremely hard. And pumping any water downhill is effortless. 
And so when you get aisle on your left side, you're actually literally allowing your part to pump going downhill. And that may be the biggest benefit at all. So think about, maybe get in the fetal position, lie on your left side, and just think about the benefits of sleeping on your left side. Of course, you know, you know we always think about maybe we can get some Velcro pajamas and a Velcro sheet and just stick yourself on the left side and then you sort of get stuck. I don't think it's, we have to be this rigid about it, but go to bed thinking about that and maybe eventually you're waking up thinking about that and then you can eventually train your body to get some of the benefits of your left side. Pretty amazing and we don't have lots of studies, although I have seen studies that show that people lie on the left side after a meal, they get less heartburn and they need less anti-acids, but this is an anatomically logical thing to do and it's something that's been practiced for thousands of years as part of Ayurvedic medicine. Check out the article where I go into the details of this. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John Dior. Hi, my name is Dr. John Diard, and I want to talk to you today about a substance in Ayurvedic medicine called ojas. Ojas is actually a Sanskrit word that means vigor. This is a very special and refined substance in the body that is responsible for aging, your immune system, uh, gradient health and glowing skin, physical strength and stamina, your mood, and even your ability to make spiritual progress. Now, this is a byproduct of proper digestion. Most of us think that good digestion takes about a day to complete. And it is true for foods, but ojas is produced after 30 days of the digestive process. The food that we eat turns into lymph, which turns into blood, which turns into muscle, which turns into fat, to nerve, and then the reproductive fluid. And from that reproductive fluid, this very small amount of this ojas is produced and is sometimes considered the fluid of life. Very, very important substance, and it really depends on optimal digestion and optimal behavior and lifestyle. Lots of excessive activities like stress and excessive exercise and excessive work and excessive food and excessive drink can deplete our ojas. Excessive sexual activity, probably most well known for depleting one's ojas. Uh, when you have lots of ojas, your skin glows. The best example of that is like a baby who has that glowing, radiant skin filled with ojas. We talk about that in Ayurvedic medicine. And that ojas is, provokes immunity and vitality and strength and stamina and something that's uh, very, very important. So there are certain things you can do in your life, your routine, like, like uh, being involved in service and giving and caring for others. Uh, laughing, meditation, yoga, breathing, all of them very, very important for, for building up ojas and having a lifestyle to support optimal ojas. And then having rest. You know, I don't think many of us don't realize how exhausted we are in our culture and taking good rest, going to bed at the right time, waking up at the right time, and not racing through our day also has an ojas depleting effect. And then there are certain foods and herbs that are well known to build up the ojas. Uh, ashwagandha, one of the classic adaptogenic herbs, uh, is translated sometimes meaning the strength of 10 horses, is a deep, deep rejuvenative. It gives you the energy in the morning to go run a marathon, but also has the ability to rejuvenate the nervous system so it allows the body to sleep well uh, during the night. Uh, is an ojas building agent. Shatavari, another herb translated as a woman with a hundred husbands, a deep reproductive tonic. And remember, 
It's the process of 30 days of digestion to build all these tissues, lymph, blood, bone, fat, muscle, uh, nerve, and then the reproductive tissue, and then we make that ogis. It takes 30 days for that process to take place. So all these enzymatic processes have to be in order for us to build even a very, very small amount of ogis. Even just a couple of drops of ogis is all that we actually manufacture and is stored in res reservoir in our heart. So thus the giving is so critical. And these foods that nourish the heart and the ogis at a deep level, ashwagandha, shatavari, milk, ghee, honey, could be almond milk, coconut milk as well, but those are very deeply ogis building dates and coconut and saffron, also very, very good. So one of the classic drinks that we actually have here at Life Spa is taking those herbs, ashwagandha, shatavari, dates chopped up, almonds chopped up, coconut chopped up, saffron, a little bit of saffron, along with milk and honey and ghee, and you cook that into a milk and you drink that um, either before bed or during the day to build up, to build up those ogis reserves. So it's a very interesting concept, one that we don't have any, any reference for in Western medicine, but it's something that's talked about in Ayurvedic medicine as the, the ultimate essence of our digestion, the physiological expression of consciousness. And without ojas, we can't make spiritual progress. And spiritual progress in Ayurveda means, you know, the whole point of Ayurveda was to remove the density of the physical, make the body function better. So we have then more mental clarity so we can see what this crazy mind may have conjured up in the name of safety and security and then take actions to free ourselves from those old protective repetitive bad habits that are depleting us and depleting us our ojas and thus put us on track for making spiritual happiness really being content in your life so please read the article and read the details about this amazing substance called ojas uh, in the article associated with this video thanks for listening i'm dr john Dugard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Dugard, and I want to talk to you today about living your life in harmony with the natural cycles. In Ayurveda, this is a big deal. Living your life in harmony with the cycles, going downstream with the current, means you finish your day with the same energy as you started. You wake up refreshed, you're hungry at the right time, you're not craving constantly, you exercise at the right time, you're sleepy at the right time. This is all about living in harmony with the cycles. Every traditional culture had a, a lifestyle that was connected to the rhythms of nature. In Ayurveda, the first cycle starts at 6 a.m. Generally speaking, we're going to call that sunrise. So for the next four hours after the sun rises, and that's going to be, of course, you know, much later in the winter and earlier in the summer, but at four hours after that, you're going to generally see the muscles become stronger. When I did um, a lot of work at the Soviet Union, all of their big heavy lifting workouts were done in the morning. A significant number of people exercise on a regular basis, do it first thing in the morning. The muscles are stronger to plow fields and dig ditches first thing in the morning when the muscles and the body can handle it before it gets too hot. So the morning is a time for your physical activity. And it's very important because if you sleep in after the sun rises, doing a very heavy kind of activity, then the longer you sleep in, the heavier you get, the more stiff you get. In our culture, we very generally, commonly sleep in after the sunrise and generally get more stiff and more rigid as we age. Now this next cycle between 10 o'clock-ish and 2 o'clock, the next four hours, generally is when the digestive system is most strong. 
every traditional culture stops, even to this day, and has their big meal in the middle of the day. This is when the digestive fire is the most strong. So it's very important that we stop and relax and dine and make that meal count. That's definitely a meal you do not want to miss. And the reason why is because the next cycle is when is the, what we call the vata cycle between 2 o'clock and 6 o'clock. And that is when the nervous system becomes active, we really need to think. Now, the brain is the big gas guzzler. It burns 80% or so of your blood sugar. So if you didn't put enough fuel in your tank during the pit of time of the day between 10 o'clock and 2, when the body can digest its food, and you waltz into the afternoon with no gas in your tank, then your blood sugar is going to crash, and you're going to crave dark chocolate, sweets, candy, coke, a nap, and you're going to be looking for some type of energy from somewhere else. So the idea is to put the gas in the tank in the middle of the day so the brain has the fuel to have an even keel through the afternoon. And if you're crashing in the afternoon, then that's a stress. And that stress, if it's, if it's consistent day in and day out, constantly crashing every day, crashing every day, that will trigger an emergency response, a stress hormone response, which is a degenerative hormone. And however you are genetically predisposed to break down, that kind of daily stress will take you out. One of the reasons why so many cultures stop and revolve their entire day around a big, big meal. Of course, in our culture here, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, in the agriculture communities, even today, people still stop and have their big meal in the, uh, in the middle of the day. We've lost that, that trend, that concept, and we really need to bring it back. The second set of cycles starts at 6 p.m. Now, at 6 p.m., the sun begins to set. The cortisol levels start to kind of drop down, getting us ready for going to sleep. But if you've been stressing and pushing all day long, the cortisol levels stay up, and it becomes difficult for us to want to go to sleep. So in the evening, the cooks go home around 6 o'clock. There's not a lot of digestive strength in the evening. Another reason why the big meal should be in the middle of the day. And then in the evening at 6 o'clock, work should be wrapping up, and you should be thinking about settling down and getting ready for sleep. This is a nice time to go for an evening walk or some light exercise because it is what we call a kapha time of day. It's the second kapha time of day. Every cycle always starts with kapha, the morning cycle, kapha, which is strong structural strength to support the endurance of workout and physical labor. And the second cycle at 6 p.m. gives you the same type of structural strength, so it's the second best time to exercise. Don't do it too late because it can overstimulate you and not let you settle down to go to sleep. And then, so that's the time you want to be thinking about bed, early supper, and then 7, 8 o'clock, and around 10 o'clock at night, the pitta, the fire, comes in again between 10 o'clock and 2. And this is when the liver becomes very active to detoxify the body and prepare you for the next day. Now, if you are eating at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, at 10 o'clock, the janitor comes in, wants to wash floors and clean windows, and you're eating your dinner and still digesting. The body goes, hey, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize you were still having your dinner. Uh, I will come back tomorrow and detoxify you and clean your liver and then prepare you for the next day. So if you're having late meals on a regular basis, the ability for your body to properly detoxify is compromised and we keep accumulating toxicity. The liver just simply can't do its job efficiently because the liver is so much a part of digestion. So the idea is an early evening, settle down, get ready for bed. By 10 o'clock, you're in bed. 10 o'clock to 2, you're detoxifying really well. And then between 2 and 6, you're in steep sleep. But somewhere in the early morning hours before sunrise, you naturally wake up. And this is when you wake up before the sunrise, and it's a natural 
occurrence. It's not something you need with an alarm clock. Your body's natural alarm clock is to wake up with the rhythms of nature. Now in the wintertime, the, the day times are going to become much shorter and condensed, and the evening times are going to become much longer. So in the winter we get way more sleep, repair, rebuild, rejuvenate in the winter, and in the summertime we have way more daytime energy, and therefore those times in the daytime expand. So we have to kind of plug that into the equation. So you might go to bed a couple of hours after the sun is set in the summertime is going to be much later than going to bed a couple of hours after the sun set in the winter. And that's sort of a general rule, two to three hours after the sun sets, go to bed, kind of helps you plug in the fact that the times of day are changing. So one last question. If you were to go to bed at say 12 o'clock and woke up tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock in the morning, how would you feel? Probably heavy, tired, stiff, like you've slept too much. If you went to bed at eight o'clock and you woke up the next morning at six o'clock, how would you feel in comparison? Probably a lot better. Well, they were both 10 hours of sleep. One was just connected to the rhythms of nature. So please read the article associated with this video. Begin to understand the power of living your life in harmony with these natural cycles and begin to finish your day with the same energy as you started. Go to sleep early so you can wake up refreshed and ready for the day and, and really naturally regulate the amount of cortisol, stress-fighting hormone, you produce during your day. We know stress is the cause of 80% of disease. And the stress that we, when we incur, when we push, push, push against the grain, it causes insomnia and degenerative disease. So please take responsibility for your health, begin to understand the natural cycles, and just test and see how you feel when you live your life in sequence and in harmony with those natural cycles. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Belviard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Biard, and I want to talk to you today about an Ayurvedic remedy that has recently been proved to support sleep. You know, with 30 million Americans affected by insomnia and new research links that numerous chronic diseases are associated with people with insomnia it's really important we understand the mechanism of insomnia which is caused by stress when you're under stress cumulative and chronic stress that cortisol the levels of stress fighting hormones don't decrease at night and they keep us revved up throughout the night and we don't have the energy to calm them back down well, an ancient recipe of taking hot milk before you go to bed, like grandma used to give you, has been shown to actually provide bioactive milk peptides that have a soporific effect, a relaxation effect, a calming of the anxiety effect. They make sleep last longer and more restorative. They've actually been shown to decrease numerous stress markers, has stress impacts digestion, emotional state, cognitive function, and even cardiovascular disease. All these are supported by these milk peptides. Interestingly, these same milk peptides seem to activate the GABA receptors, which are the same receptors that the benzodiazepines, the drugs that we use for anxiety and for sleep and for stress, are, 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 seem to be very beneficial. So they have the same receptor activity. So interestingly, in Ayurvedic medicine, milk is what's called an ojas-producing food. Ojas means that it's the physical expression of consciousness. So ojas is the most refined substance in the body according to Ayurveda. It takes about 30 days to make through many enzymatic processes. It's used for reproduction, for immunity, make your skin glow, give your body uh, the ability to fight and cope with stress, have energy, vitality, very, very important. 
There are other uh, foods that are OGIS building foods. And in the article associated with this video, I give you an ancient recipe of taking hot milk and cooking certain foods and certain herbs into it to make this very special potent Ayurvedic form of hot milk. It includes adding a little shatavari, an herb, and ashwagandha, and dates, and coconut, and cardamom, and saffron, and a little bit of honey and ghee, and you mix it just right, and you take just a half a cup before you go to bed, and it has an incredible beneficial effect on giving you the energy you need to be calm. Studies have shown that um, that uh, sleep has been improved by 50 to 60% by taking just 150 milligrams of these, uh, these milk peptides. So it doesn't take a lot for this to happen, so it's very, very interesting. So please go to the article associated with this video where I actually give you the recipe in detail and think about taking some of this hot milk. Now I know that hot milk, you know, we know that milk is bad, hard to digest. Yes, milk is homogenized, it's pasteurized, all wrong. It's got chemicals and pesticides and preservatives and antibiotics, and all that's true. It renders all that milk very hard to digest, but in most states, you can find non-pasteurized, that uh, or non-homogenized, that pasteurized milk. That pasteurized milk is milk that's been boiled uh, only to 130 degrees for 20 minutes. Very, very safe. You can find milk that has been non-homogenized, so the cream rises to the top, and milk easily found without chemicals or hormones or antibiotics. So you can find these milks, heat them up, use the herbs that I've talked about in the article associated with this video, and please you know, start taking a little bit of this milk every night before you go to bed for a couple months to see if you can build some resiliency under the chronic impact of stress, which seems to be the major culprit, major cause that's keeping us from having a good night's sleep. Thank you for listening. I'm Dr. John Duyard. Hi, my name is Dr. John Duyard. I want to talk to you today about fatigue from the Ayurvedic perspective and the Western perspective. Ayurvedically, we know that there are these two energies, one called prana, which goes into your brain to give you mental clarity and function for the day's stress, and apanavata, which goes down for elimination, reproduction, and adrenal function. When you're under a lot of stress, the apanavata goes north and gives you energy, but it keeps a record of how much money was borrowed and we have to pay off that debt. From the Western perspective, the adrenals go and borrow money. When you're under a huge amount of stress, the adrenals will go to the reproductive organs and it'll borrow money from those hormones to precurse them, like testosterone that gives you sex drive, to precurse that into cortisol to, make you, to give you energy, which you don't really have to go you know, handle more stress in your life. It'll go to your blood sugar to make you crave sweets and dark chocolate and candy to give you energy which you don't really have. It'll go to your thyroid and upregulate your thyroid metabolically to give you, again, energy that you don't really have and go further into debt. So our culture says, well, if you have adrenal fatigue, take an adrenaline support, a stimulant to stimulate you to make more energy that you don't really have and actually go further into debt. And this sort of tendency has, tends to drive us further into exhaustion and make the problem worse. Where from the Ayurvedic perspective, say, why don't we just pay off the debt, right? And help rebuild the adrenals and help rebuild the body's ability to make energy so it can handle the stress like water off a duck's back. It doesn't have to borrow from Peter to pay Paul to get itself out of harm's way or to help to deal with stress. So there are some herbs, some adaptogenic herbs, which are phenomenal in Ayurveda, one called ashwagandha. Ashwagandha is an herb uh, called the strength of 10 horses. 
It gives you the energy to uh, go run a marathon, but also gives you the energy to sedate yourself at night and can put you to sleep. So you can take it in the morning for energy and before you go to bed for a good night's sleep. It's an herb that supports a healthy thyroid function. It's an herb that is a precursor to the testosterone that your adrenals borrowed to make energy which you didn't really have, and it pays back all that debt. It's even supportive for your blood sugar. Another herb, phenomenal herb, called shilajit. Shilajit is an herb uh, also called ashavaltum or bitumen, which is an herb in India that has been used for energy for thousands of years. Uh, the Sherpas take this to get more oxygenated blood at very high altitudes. This herb has diprenols and fulvic acids, which we now know from science that says that, that the mitochondria, the energy production sites in our body, use those diprenols and fulvic acids to make energy. So we now know that this ancient Ayurvedic energy and sort of longevity herb actually is good science to prove why it actually does deliver more vitality, but it also pays back the debt of the mitochondria and the adrenals so we can actually not just, it's not a stimulant to make us drive us to make more energy we don't have and go further into debt, it pays back the debt. Helps the mitochondria be more functional, drives more oxygen into the deep tissues. Another herb called uh, Gokshara. Gokshara has been used uh, for kidney function and adrenal function and another precursor to the reproductive hormone testosterone to make energy. Another herb been used for thousand years for energy production, another really important herb to know about. And the last one called Brahmi or Centella Asiatica a phenomenal herb used for mental clarity, memory, sleep, longevity, aging for years and years and years, thousands of years. And new research now shows that the Brahmi, the Centella Asiatica, heals and supports the function of the skin, not this, this skin, but the skin of your intestinal tract where the environment needs to be balanced to support the health of the microbes which make the neurotransmitters, which make the hormones, which do the heavy lifting for our energy, for our mood, for our vitality, and for our immunity. We now know that, that our, our energy, vitality, mood, and, and, and overall health is supported by the microbes. And we now have herbs that create, that support with some intelligence the bringing of balance back in the body versus just driving the body with energy that it doesn't really have to stimulate it to feel better for today but further be exhausted tomorrow. This isn't good enough. We need to understand how to pay back the debt and give the energy, give the body the energy it needs so it can handle stress easily like water off a duck's back. So those are some herbs. There's a great article where I cite the research about these herbs so you can get more information about how to reboot and rebuild your adrenals without stimulating it to go further into debt. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. John DeGarro. This recording is brought to you by LifeSpa, where ancient Ayurvedic wisdom meets modern science. Get access to free health video newsletters by Dr. John at LifeSpa.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.